So I apologize, but I messed up. The episode I posted as number two was a trial run, and it's out of order with the others. So I've erased it, and now this is the real <laughs> this is the real number two. Most of what you heard, if you listened to part two before, is really sort of a melange of parts three and four. Ideas I was playing with and decided I couldn't get to in time. So this is the correct part two. I'll post the other ones in order. I apologize for the inconvenience and confusion. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> I forgot to say the second reason Peterson gives for free speech. Um, the first reason was who do we give the power to to determine what speech is appropriate? And um, the answer is, there's no one. There's no one. And the second reason is that without free speech, there can't be free thought. And if we can't think clearly, it's impossible for us to test our ideas. We can't compare them with others. We can't test them in reality. And so that means... Our ideas will be static. They can't improve. Now, that seems, to me at least, very evidently clear that that's important. But I want to use a metaphor um, that Caleb uses quite a bit to try to think about this a little bit more. And that's the idea of the map and the territory. So we all have, we all have a model of the world. Of reality and that model determines our actions and we're continually testing that model by acting or interacting with the world and so in this in this idea the world is the territory and the model is the map so we're continually we're continually exploring reality we're exploring the territory and refining our map we're saying, okay, this area looks like this, and then we go there and we realize it's a little bit different, and then we go there in a different time of the year, we realize it's a little bit different at this time of year. So our map is iterative. Our model of the world is iterative. And you can think of this model being determined by reality as long as we go out into the unknown and we observe it cleanly. We observe it clearly. We interact based on truth. We, we observe and then we take what we've observed and we put that into our model. And so the, so, so the, so the map is broken down into two parts. There's, there's the part of order, which, where the map is pretty accurate, and then there's the part of chaos, where we really haven't explored yet. And the true chaos on the map will be I guess in the old maps, they would have that labeled, you know, here be dragons. Now, this process of exploration, improving the map, comparing our map with others, testing our ideas, this is how our ideas get better and how we can interact better with the world. Now, totalitarians 
they don't want you to do this process. They don't want free speech because they believe their map is already perfect. They don't want you to think. They consider you to be a robot that they're going to program with their ideology. When your map is already perfect, when you believe it's already perfect, there's no point to thinking, there's no point to exploration, there's no point to comparing ideas and struggling towards an unknown truth. The totalitarians, the ideologues, already believe they know the truth, the perfect truth, the absolute truth. And so when their map disagrees with the territory, when their model disagrees with the world, they believe reality is wrong because their map has to be accurate. What they care about is not truth, but purity. Now, I care about truth, and I hope you do too. So let's, let me just think and see if I can sort of string these, <laughs> these concepts together. Without free speech, you can't have thought. Without free thought, you can't test your model of reality. If you have a bad model of reality, you're gonna act wrong, wrongly, not in, not cleanly based on the reality of the world. You're going to get bad results and that's going to be a disaster for you and for everyone you love. And so the chain runs from free speech to good outcomes for those we love. And if we destroy free speech, the world will not be able to map chaos and then we'll wander into it and fall and fall into chaos. Now, if we think about where we are as, as order, and we're just on the border of chaos, we're always pushing into chaos, we're always exploring and trying new things, then that's the place that free speech is most critical. It's most critical in that space between the known and the unknown. Because when we're in just the known, then maybe everything is already determined. So I think about people discussing the weather. It's sunny. Yes, it's sunny. Yes, it's sunny. Their free speech has less relevance. But when we're entering new territory, if we can't speak freely to each other, if we can't think freely, we can't collaborate, we can't figure out the truth, we can't iterate towards the best possible solution, there's no improvement. Again, the result is disaster. Now let's, uh, let me step back for a second. Let's assume all this is wrong and that the right thing to do is not to live on this border between order and chaos. And we should, or instead, we should just live within total order or we should just live within total chaos. Now, what do those two existences look like? When I imagine living just with an order, I imagine someone staying inside their house, hunkered down, afraid to go outside. Maybe the drapes are closed. Maybe the phone's unplugged. Maybe they don't answer the doorbell. What's the result? You atrophy, you become weak. And then 
the smallest bit of chaos will destroy you. What's the opposite? Excess chaos. Instead of staying at the border, you go completely into chaos. And that's just as bad. Their reality will break you because you have no idea what to expect. You have no idea how to act. You're completely lost. Now, I can see these problems in my own life. Um, when, I, when I huddle down, everything that I need to do becomes scary. Going to work becomes scary. Talking to new people becomes scary. Just getting out of bed makes me afraid. Um, trying to think of an example. Um, okay, so I'm going to a city in a couple days where I have a friend. And I haven't seen or talked to this friend in a couple of years. He's busy, I'm busy, the usual. And I was thinking about emailing him. And I was afraid to email him. I thought, what if he doesn't want to see me? What if he blows me off? What if he, what if he essentially says the friendship is over? I felt after a couple of years, I was exposing myself, and this was scary. So I tried to practice what I'm talking about. I, I emailed him. I said, hey, I'd love to see you. And he wrote back, and he said, I'd love to see you too. And so, and so this is an example of when you go towards the fear, at least in this case, it resolves itself well. And I think even if he had not responded well, just emailing him would have made me feel better rather than than not acting. And what's interesting is not acting, I feel, lies at the heart of both excess order and excess chaos. With excess order, you huddle down, you refuse to move because you're afraid. But with excess, excess chaos, you're just broken. You, you're so terrified by the unknown, you freeze and you can't act. And improvement requires action. So when you're at this border, of order and chaos, you'll know because you're afraid, but you're acting anyway. But you're not acting so much that you put yourself at the risk of being broken. Now, it's not always easy for me to tell what that balance looks like. But I do know that it does require action. Now, I think there's a term, or I think there's a methodology we can use to figure out the right amount of action. And um, it goes by a very strange word. Uh, the word is hormesis. Okay, um, I gotta go, but I will catch you later.